All right, this episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Market. Hey, Chris, it's late summer, and that means the late-season figs have arrived. Are you a big fig guy? I love figs. Yeah. Four luscious varieties at Zupan's, Black Mission, Brown Turkey, Sierra, and Tiger Stripe. Uh, Pair these with your cheese and honey, put it on a slice of sandwich. A lot of people, like my wife. A slice of sandwich? Slice of sandwich. A sandwich? Put a slice in a sandwich. Sliced in a sandwich. There we go. Right. Uh, my wife uses uh, a lot of times to sweeten up foods and, as part of her Whole30 diet that she's doing. Oh, good. You can't have like the you know the granular sugar, but you throw in some figs, you're good to go. Right, and and you could do a tasting with all these varieties. Oh yeah, figs are good. Yeah, and also um, one of my favorite things is to check my news feed, my Zupan's news feed before I walk into the market, see what the, what they've just sent me for free. Yeah. And this month, it's pretty cool, A um, some olive oil from southern Italy. For a $25 purchase, you get a fr- you, there's free olive oil. And it's a nice size. Nice. Am I looking at what kind of si- what size it is here? I don't think it says right no, here. No, but it looks like a big bottle. I saw it. I saw it online on uh, Zupans.com. You can never go wrong with that. Uh, we like to highlight the local vineyards that uh, Zupans likes to highlight. Right now, Soder Vineyards, located in Carleton, Oregon, Soder Vineyards, dedicated to creating the highest caliber of wine in the way that uh, treads softly on the earth, which is important. Have you ever walked through the aisles and aisles of wine at Zupan's? Oh, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a, lot a place of varieties. to go. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great varieties. And you can do that at any one of three locations, West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Grove, or, of course, at Zupan's.com. All right, it's time once again for Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelus, who joins us on the road. I'm down in Brookings, Oregon, and I'm looking at cars going by on 101, and this is uh, Chief Portland is coming up this week, and they do some pre-tours for media. And uh, so I'm down in Brookings. We just had lunch at the Black Trumpet Bistro, but... More fun. Well, that was fun, but we were at Oregon uh, Caves National Monument this morning Mm -hmm. um, and staying at the Oregon Caves Chateau. Really nice and did a few things yesterday running around uh, the Medford area. So it's kind of bringing expanding East Portland outside of um outside of portland yeah so uh, this is pretty much where like in in my opinion one of the biggest if not the biggest week in food in portland and now they've i don't know supersized it by sending some of you out of town well yeah they really want to send people from out of town out of town right meaning out of state um but uh the the thieves were nice enough to let me tag along with some writers from uh, Mexico and elsewhere, a lot of a few Oregon writers, but um, and bloggers, and uh, it's really cool. Four days running around the Southern Coast. We're about to go up Samuel Boardman uh, Corridor and go to a few parks. Tomorrow we'll be going sea kayaking and staying at some nice places. So that's that. And the reason that I'm talking about that is we're featuring feast today. Uh, of course, it's coming up, and we have Feast Founder. Is that a tongue twister, Feast Founder? No, not really. No. Not too tough. Nope. We have uh, Mike Thielen with us to talk about 
where Feast has come, where it's going, and what's happening this weekend. Yeah, in fact, at a, at a certain point during the podcast, he will uh, kind of highlight some of the uh, events that still have some availability to him. It's not completely sold out. No, and there's some cool, really good events. And also, if you've never done the grand tasting on Thursday or Friday, that's, you can eat quite a bit, meet a lot of makers, meet a lot of producers. Um, it's a fun event down in Pioneer Square, one of my favorites. Yeah. So those are still available, as I recall. We recorded this um, earlier this week. When did we record? Last week. Um, last week. Last right, week. Right, right, right. So uh, there were seats available as of last week, or tickets available, and some other events. So I assume most everything that uh, Mike mentioned is still valid. Right. It seems like it would be. So here's the enjoyable part. While you enjoy listening to Mike Thielen, I would recommend if you haven't already followed Chris on Instagram, do it because uh, you're always posting great pictures and people will be able to actually see some of the stuff you're currently doing on this tour. That's so, right. There's some cool things. Uh, you know, I'm trying to also enjoy it and not have my head in the phone the whole time. But I, I did post some pictures from uh, Taylor Sausage. We were at uh, Augustino Winery, uh, or the Vineyards of Vine, uh, Augustino Wine last night, and they have a treehouse overlooking the vineyard. And I had the good fortune to dine with Philippe Pelot, who's, of course, was the, chef, the uh, James Beard winner, best chef Northwest back in the early 2000s, and uh, is now the head chef supervising 70 cooks at uh, the Mac Club. Wow. So he's our chef ambassador down here. So I was, uh, it was awesome just enjoying a beautiful dinner and uh, in the open air on a beautiful Oregon September night overlooking a vineyard in a treehouse. Really nice. Very nice. So, yeah, so there's some pictures there. And, um, so I encourage everybody to take a look. Portland Food ADV there it on is. Instagram. And also, don't forget, Food Podcast PDX on Instagram. Yeah. That too. Yeah, you can follow you can follow me on Instagram, Court Johnson, but I, I just post picture of my girls. That's okay. Okay, your girls are great. Sure, no, they're wonderful. I, I like them a lot. And you have you have some really fun stuff on there, some slip stuff sometimes. Sure, yeah, yeah. So Little, uh, here's Court's life with three women. There we go. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm hoping for that uh, that uh, podcast bump, Chris. <laughs> I don't know. I used to get it from Kink when you had me on yeah. at Kink years, uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah. But, uh, I don't even get it from I'd Kink. Like to get, I'd also like for this to help us get the Australia bump. We're doing a great trip with uh, Nolan Hurdy from Proud Mary to Melbourne, Australia in April. And it's going to be fantastic. We have a couple of spots sold, and we'd love to uh, chat with you. You love coffee and the like to eat and ever thought of going to Australia. Great time to do uh, it. Again or for the first time, this is the one. Absolutely. Uh, PortlandFoodAdventures.com is where you're getting information on that. Right, yes. And just, by the way, we're going to Spain and Italy next week, so I'll talk about my Instagram. It should be pretty fun. Very nice. going to be posting from Europe for a month. All right, so, so as we as we again invite people to join us on Instagram, let's invite them now, Chris, to take a listen to uh, Feast founder Mike Thielen. Always a pleasure. Right at the Fork is proud to be supported by Zupan's Markets. For over forty years, unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to the freshest baked goods, flowers, and more, with delicious emphasis on locally sourced items. 
the best of the Northwest Bounty can be found at your closest Zupans on West Burnside, McAdam, or Lake Grove, and at Zupans.com. Eat well, put taste first, love your food. Ringside Steakhouse. Owned by the Peterson family for generations, Ringside Steakhouse has long been a landmark of the Portland landscape, featuring impeccable service that has set the standard in Portland for nearly 75 years. Enjoy the finest aged steaks in Portland, their world-famous onion rings, and even Ringside's legendary late-night happy hour. Whether it's a special occasion, a business dinner, or just a great night out, make a reservation at ringsidesteakhouse.com and by San Pellegrino, iconic, fresh, sparkling water with an extraordinary Italian heritage. It's a great refreshing way to enhance any dining experience. Ask for San Pellegrino by name the next time you're having a great meal. Ever since its foundation in 1899, San Pellegrino has been a premium brand synonymous with style. Try it with your next meal and enjoy the difference San Pellegrino can make. Are you a good multitasker? I don't know. No, not really. <laughs> I'm not. I am definitely not. I just got a photo. I just got a photo request from Willamette Week. So. Oh, do you want us to take it right now? Uh, no, no, they don't want a photo of me. They want a photo <laughs> of a of an after party from 2014 that's quite legendary. Oh, what was legendary about it? As long as we're talking about feasts, let's go right into the most legendary after party. There's a lot of legendary after parties, but I would say that there was one year we we did. A party. The first year we did that party called Pork of Ages, which we did at Ron Tom's. It was an mm-hmm. after party, and it was Adam Sappington and his friends from the U.S. Pork Board came in, and they just did this big sort of nose to tail fet. I remember that. And Brad Farmery from New York uh, at his table had pig heads because he was doing a pig head mm-hmm. terrine, and they were sort of laid out as decor. And you know, of course, like even for some of the most ardent meat eaters, they looked at that. And it was like. Terrifying stuff. It makes you start to think about vegetarianism. It does. And one of the vegan bloggers <laughs> came up to me at that event and she said, what is up with all these pigheads? And I'm like, you're a vegan blogger. Why did you RSVP to an event called Pork of Ages? You know, still though, um, you know, some, some people, it's interesting, you know, I guess y- you have to say like they, they weren't meant to be decorative. It was meant to say, hey, here's where this comes from. It's just that when you turn down the lights and, you know, have tiki torches, it just felt a little like, <laughs> felt like a, felt a little... Felt a little like a ritual of some sort. Right. So, um, but, you know, I guess if if we are going to eat meat, you know, the reality of meat should not should not affect us. So, right. No, you can't. No. You have to just come to grips with it. When exactly. You things like that. Except the fact that with meat, you know, comes, you know, you have to, I think it's actually good for people to be in touch with that process. Yeah, and well, and it's also a check-in once in a while when you see those yeah. sorts of things. It's yeah, a, totally. It's a little check-in. I have yet to go vegan or vegetarian, but I th- it makes me. Do think you about ever it. go vegan or vegetarian for a short periods of time? No, what I've is never your, done that. So when you go hard, what is your, what is your, what is your? I've gone hard lately. I feel like walking gout because you're a food guy like me, and I feel like walking gout after. Ooh. What is your sort of? You know, some people do paleo, some people go vegan. What do you do? Uh, I just I, take it easy. See, I go out to the coast and just take it easy. But so, what does that mean from a food perspective? From a food perspective. Are I, there things you don't eat when you're cleansing? No, I can't think there's anything specific that I don't eat. But no, I, I yes, I know mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm. I go heavier on the juices. So see, I'll, there you I'll go. put a lot of, you know, put everything in my my magic bullet. Got it. And have some care. I'll get much healthier for a little while. And okay. I always want to keep that up for a longer time. But I can't say I'm... Uh, 
you know, I'm over the top with it. I've never <laughs> gone, I have to do this for a long time. People are often surprised to know that I go stints of completely vegan. How long? Week. Not not anything crazy, a week or two. Um, you you're know, you're going to do it in the middle of feast this year? No, I won't do it in the middle of feast, but I'm <laughs> doing it right now prior to feast. Oh, good. You know, I believe that, like, if you're going to consume products of any kind, they ought to be the very best products available. They should reflect passion. They should reflect knowledge. So, therefore, you know, I don't grow my own vegetables because, you know, Anthony from Ayers Creek is going to grow much better blackberries than I could ever dream of. I love going to the farmer's market. So, are you cooking? Yeah, I cook. I do love to cook. But... Um, you know, I think the same thing with meat. I, you know, I, I eat meat, and when I when I buy meat, I buy good meat. And um, when I when I don't have good meat, I mean, I mostly eat, you know, pretty much plant based. And you know, in between big events, all, you know, it's like I I think I'm probably Bob's Red Mill's biggest customer. I eat a lot of grains. I eat a lot of, you know, I eat a lot of beans. I eat a lot of, you know. <laughs> was was that? Are you really his the biggest customer? Or was that a feast? Promo. You know, actually, I didn't think about that, and you can <laughs> you can edit that out because uh, you know people could say that, but we work with like just about every food company in town, so I really no, I could just say you know a blanket disclaimer for blanket the blanket disclaimer. Um, yeah, no, I love I love uh, I will say you know to give another. There's so many good vegetable cookbooks out there that aren't necessarily vegetarian, and I'm thinking mm -hmm. of like you know Otolenghi's Plenty book, um, Joshua McFadden's Six Seasons, um, you know, and and. There's so much out there that allows so much knowledge that allows you to just rely on a, you know, if you want to just kind of take it easy for a while, you know, even if you're just cutting down on red meat or just cutting down on certain ingredients, um, you know, we live in a place where the, I mean, the shoot, the freaking vegetables here are just ridiculous. Oh yeah, you could just yes, yeah, so if you one is uh, is really mindful of it, you could just go that. I could, I think of it all the time. Did you say mindful? Yes. Namaste, I, Chris. Pardon me. Namaste. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I thought maybe I said something like politically incorrect. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. Just you know, we're talking. We're, we're talking juice, and now we're you know we're talking about periods of you know. Um, this is the way to get revved up for feast. Yeah, and, exactly. And and Aaron Franklin's you know friends and yep. family barbecue. Well, you know, you've been to Hot Luck, the event that I have with Aaron down in Austin. Yes, you know, I where loved it. after. Um, somebody actually said to me after the first year that if they were, if they were to cut open their veins, that their blood would be queso mm -hmm. after that weekend. And, you know, feast is not as decadent as hot luck because we grow more. In, I mean, I'll just say this. I love Texas, but we have much better vegetables in Oregon. Mm -hmm. You know, everything grows here. Um, you know, it's, it's like this time of year especially is like a celebration on a plate. I, this is my favorite time of year for food because you still have – there's still the lingering berries. You know, you still, like, I, I bought Chester, Ayers Creek Chester blackberries this weekend. I also mm -hmm. bought heirloom tomatoes. Pretty soon we're going to, you know, there's, like, really incredible peaches right now. Still a cherry or two. Um, still some, you know, strawberries. Not, not you know, they're still, like, not, yeah, not the first fruits, as yeah. they say. But, you know, and then you're starting to get, you know, pretty soon in a few weeks we'll be you know, eating, eating a lot of apples. And I have to say, like, um, the changing of the seasons, I think, it's interesting because, like, people think about the looming rain, you know, coming. I think about citrus fruit or, you know, sturdy winter greens. I mean, you know, I, I will admit uh, after four or five months of rain, uh, you know, I get a little tired of, of, of you know, sturdy greens. But uh, we live in a, you know, it's pretty incredible what we get year around here. Right. And that's what travel is for. Get out of town yeah. sometime during the winter. I'll tell you what is I Is this where I plug my airline sponsor? Yes, please do. Um, <laughs> You can go ahead before I get into my thing, which I can, I'm gonna I'm gonna slip a plug in too. So okay. 
Okay. Well, I was just going to say, you know, there are airline sponsor, which rhymes with Malaska mm-hmm. uh, or Stabaska or, you know, <laughs> has direct flights to, you know, like we, we love Maui. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a direct flight to the Kahului airport and that like, we love the North shore of Maui, South shore. Eh. But like, you know, the road to Hana. I, this is good information for me because on my April trip to Australia with Nolan, have you met Nolan? Have you been to Proud Mary? Uh, I, of course I have, but I've, I've, I've not, I've not, I've met Nolan, but I have not had any prolonged conversation with him. Oh, it's great. But I love Proud Mary. I think it's so fun. Well, come to Australia with us. You've wanted to come on one of my trips. I this know. Is the one. I it's know. not during Feast. It's in April. In April. Anyway, so, um, why did I bring this up? Now I forgot. Oh, I, because I'm going to stop in Hawaii. I've never been there. Well, so on which the way, island? I don't know. I have to decide. Go Just to, where, I mean, where, whatever I can jump the be- easiest a couple of days later to Melbourne. That's they're all great. Do. You know, yeah. they're all great. You know, like even Oahu, which is very popular. Honolulu is actually kind of a cool city, but the North Shore is so peaceful and wonderful. Um, you know, Maui is incredible. You know, Kauai is, I think, the 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 one that, that has got the most outdoor adventure, but they all have... They're just, Hawaii is an incredible, incredible place. So when we scheduled this podcast to talk about Feast for 30 minutes, yep. uh, I realized that was just having you in to, to limit I'll talk it to 30 minutes. Well, we'll both talk I'll all talk day. I'll talk all day. But I just wanted to say last night, it was a gorgeous night, out, uh-huh. and a friend of mine uh, flew into Nehalem Airport, and we went over to uh, Salmonberry Saloon, mm-hmm. and I took a page out of, uh, out of Gary the Foodie's book. I had this gigantic artichoke that I got from Zupans, mm-hmm. and it wasn't going to go, because I'm leaving soon to go on a little trip. It's going to sit there. So I brought it into the restaurant. I said, see if, oh. if Chef wants to do something with this. And it was incredible. I'll post a picture. Wait, where did it. you do this? Salmonberry Saloon, which is my new little favorite spot. They where took, is Salmonberry Saloon? They took Saloon? the old Tsunami Grill in Wheeler. Oh, We just okay. had them on the podcast. Got it, got it. And it's now a really awesome place to go. It's not just a... Sorry, a, when you said my brain was in the wrong part of the state, I was thinking your, you know, your, your outer southwest hinterlands, but you were talking no, about I'm, your second... I'm further outer southwest. Or it. Actually, it's east, uh, just west. Well, All right, so you're here to talk about feasts. Yes. That's why we had you here. Yes. It starts actually tomorrow uh, when, this, when this is going to hit. Okay. So this sure. will be on Wednesday. The yep. What... what well, Wednesday will be, uh, there's some industry stuff on Wednesday, but Feast for me will have already be two days deep by then because I'm doing some things with Travel Oregon out on the Oregon coast on uh, on Monday. So that will already have happened by the time, you know, this airs. Did you know I'm going on one of those trips? You are? Yeah, I'm going on the Southern Oregon one. Are you going to be out there? Nope, no, I can't. Man. I would love to. You know, it's interesting. The hardest thing about Feast is we do all this planning and then we can't go to everything. Yeah. You're so excited I'm about it. I'm going on your behalf. I'll well, look at, I you appreciate know. that. You know, you can <laughs> yeah. send, me You're sel- welcome. send me selfies of yourself uh, doing all the things that I'm not able. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, it looks like it's just an awesome trip and I appreciate it. But at any rate, so yes, you're doing yep. those. That, that's like in golf tournaments, that's like pro-am days, right? Those, yeah. those are things that happen ahead of time. Well, well, they are, but, you know, Feast at its core is an industry event. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, it, it, it's not to say that, you know, there's a lot of people that come and buy tickets and enjoy it. But, you know, what I think really motivates, I would say just what really motivates me to have started Feast was to just have an event that brings together our industry, our wineries, our chefs, our breweries, our farmers, our companies, and connect them with the rest of the country for one weekend out of the year. That's why... That's what gets, you know, when after 
we do feast, you know, and feast is a, is a heck of a grind. It's, it's fun and it's worth every second. But you know, when you, you're, you're planning itineraries for 130 chefs and you know, there's 110 partners and there's every detail and venue and insurance contract and a lot of sexy things that, that, that people don't see, you know, what really keeps us excited and keeps our eye on the prize is just knowing it's like, okay, this is an awesome opportunity for us to host the entire industry on our terms. And, you know, the food world is so, you know, it's interesting. There's a lot of good festivals out there, but a lot of festivals you go to and they, they kind of feel like the same festival, the same sponsors, same, you know, and I think, with Feast, there's so much here. There's so many good breweries, so many good wineries, so many uh, you know inspiring businesses of scale mm-hmm. um, that are that are sort of you know you know coffee companies, grain companies, like we mentioned earlier. Um, that which one was that that you, we mentioned earlier? You know, Bob's. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, you know the the uh, that I feel that you know Feast to us feels very special because it's in Oregon and there's just so much to show off. Our friends at San Pellegrino would like to shine the spotlight on dining at Departure. Floating atop the landmark Myron Frank building above the Nines Hotel, Departure's ambitious menu captivates diners with its masterful remix of authentic and coastal cuisines. From street food-styled starters to meal-sized classics, rice and noodle specialties to market-fresh sushi, Chef Gregory Gorday and his team at Departure embrace the bounty of the Pacific Northwest to deliver the fiery flavors of the Far East. Settle into your seat at Departure's coolly elegant lounge or claim your perch on their panoramic deck and toast to the spirit of exploration with its menu of global cocktails. Sipped high above the city center from Portland's best downtown location. A great way to compliment any dish on Departure's exciting menu is with a sparkling bottle of San Pellegrino. Make sure to check into sanpellegrino.com to see where the best chefs in the world recommend you dine. And San Pellegrino also recommends you make a reservation soon to dine at Departure in Portland. So for me, one of the special things about Feast is you can talk about all these products yep. being there. But you can, you're face-to-face with the people who are making them yep. and the chefs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember the first time I, I wanted to meet leather stores for a long time. And <laughs> yep. the first time I met him at Feast, and it was a great, you know, it was a fantastic conversation. And, you know, he, he's a guy I don't know too well, but every conversation I've had with him, he's, he's a real tremendously gifted conversationalist. Yes. He's funny. You know, and I remember like... I think it was 2003, Willamette Week. This was pre-food writing. I was a waiter at the Portland City Grill and I, by night, and I don't tell many people that, in a commercial real estate appraiser by day, and I was obsessive about following the Portland food world, and I read Willamette Week and Portland Monthly. And, um, yeah, I remember Noble Rod in its original location, which was off 28th, mm-hmm. like 28th, and I think the cross street was Coot, or not, 28th and like a, Ankeny. A, a block south, a yeah. block uh, south of Burnside. Yeah, and, and uh, it, right next door to where Crema is, mm-hmm. um, was restaurant of the year. And, you know, I remember reading Leather's quotes back then and just thinking, like, that guy's really funny and cool. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the, the cool thing, too, is about, you know, with Portland, you look at the trajectory of restaurants. Here we are 15 years later. You know, you go to Noble Rod. I mean, they got a James Beard nomination this year, and mm. you go there on a Saturday night. It's packed. I mean, it's cool that we sustain all these new restaurant openings, and there's always this new stuff. But what is really, I think, a mark of what a truly 
great food city where you are is that you can go into Strawn on a Saturday night. You can go into Nilwarad on a Saturday night. You can go into you know Navarre on a Tuesday night. And these restaurants have really strong followings. And uh, that's something I think we should be proud of. We sustain restaurants that they survive here for a long time. Despite them, you know, these restaurants you're yeah. talking about not being the next big thing. Yeah. And that's where everybody's always chasing the well, yeah, next big thing. You know, and it's interesting too, you know, because I would be a hypocrite if I were to stand here and talk about, I mean, you know, with Feast, a lot of our storytelling is we obviously host a lot of media. We host a lot of industry. People gravitate toward the next big thing. It's just human nature. Um, so, you know, that a lot of coming to Feast every year, people want to see what's new, not just, you know, here, but kind of, you know, Feast is kind of an event that people see as like a trend, like an event you go check out trends for, you know, even national trends. Um, but I think what I love to hear is when people are here and they f- discover, you know, Barmingo and the fact that, you know, Jerry Heisinger makes, still makes some of the best pasta in town. Definitely the best lasagna in town. Okay. You know? I, I haven't um, been there in years. It's incredible. So you know, and Bar, uh, Cafe Mingo that, you know, is next door. It's been there right. even longer. Still great. Their bolognese you know? sauce, if I recall, it's, was incredible. Yeah. And then they do like an espresso braised, uh, I think it's a short That's rib. That's what I'm thinking of. Which I've not had. It's right. kind of the thing you get there. But, you know, but there, we just have all these enclaves with great food. And there's a lot of restaurants that still uh, sustain and maintain these uh, strong neighborhood followings. And, you know, honestly, like um, that, that's... That's special. Very special. So when you're planning for feast, you obviously want to have the best lineup you can, but you have to be a little bit diplomatic and say, "Hey, we we weren't, we haven't been able to allow this or invite this chef the last few years." Mm-hmm. Do you have lists of people who you want to get in over time, and then to do that, you either have to expand or you have to like tell some, "Sorry, you're not invited this year." How does that work? I mean, I think everyone understands every year that you know that. Some some years might be an off year, and I think the hardest thing is Portland has so many gifted chefs. Like sometimes you just have to make hard decisions. One of the things that we've learned early on is I we used to go out of our way to be like, oh, you know, these five chefs we love aren't involved this year. Let's hurry up and try to find a place. When we do that, we actually do a disservice because we're trying. You know, we try to create something. Um, we find that it's better to you know we try to talk to the chef. We do talk to the chefs um, early every year and a lot of our I'm proud to say a lot of our best ideas year after year do come from chefs yeah and that's the, the, the let them do what they do yeah. well and, and they and want to do we do note if a chef doesn't participate one year um, then we will be especially ardent to reach out to them and engage them creatively for the next year okay so you know and, and that's how it gets we cha- more challenging because you're bringing in more chefs from around the country too which only have so much room at some point yeah we are but still the vast majority you know, it's interesting it's again back to what we were saying about you know human nature gravitates toward new mm-hmm. um you know we majority of our chefs over 70 percent are from from oregon and you know we do bring in chefs from around the country but a lot of the folks we bring in you know it's not like we're bringing in it's not like Food Network stars or you know TV stars. We reach out to the local chefs and we ask who they're excited to cook with. And then we have friends of ours who come every, like Aaron Franklin comes every year because he's our friend. And, you know, Brad Farmery comes every year because he's our friend. And, you know, there, there's just certain people that are part of Feast every year. But, you know, we try to change it up every year. You know, this year, um, you know, Angie Mars coming to town and, you know, cooking with Peter Cho. They used to work together in New York. Um, you know, we have... Um, 
you know, the the dinner we're doing. I mean, one dinner that's super exciting. I'm talking about things that you can't go to. Which yeah, that's that's but, the, you know, the conundrum. It's so popular. When we we're gonna have to get to five minutes of things you can still do. Okay, well, let's want to just do that now. Yeah, let's do that now. So grand tasting on Friday is still available. Saturday sold out. Grand tasting is a great event um, to sample a lot of wineries, to sample a lot of breweries. Um, Adam Rappaport on on Friday from Bon Appetit. He's host, hosting his little. Uh, they call them fireside chats where he's interviewing chefs uh, each day. Um, so he's doing the, these co- pretty cool interviews. Um, you know, Sean Brock is part of that on Friday. I think Eli Cairo as well. Um, you can check the, the, the you know, feastportland.com for the full lineup. But that, it's always a great event. Grand Chasing's got, you know, 120 participants. It's affordable. It's 75 bucks. You can hang out there for five hours. Our wineries, our breweries are all pretty top-notch. Um, you know, there's, we still, <laughs> you know, we still are, you know, I, I got to say like, you know, Emily Crowley is in charge, our director is in charge of the wine program and, and has maintained a level of quality that I think we're very proud of. You know, you can't just buy your way in. Um, you know, it's not to say we don't have sponsors, but we do have a, a certain level of quality. And I think grand tasting, if you want to go try a bunch of wines, that's the event to go to. Sunday, we're doing a tailgate event. Uh, this sort of was came from a conversation I had with Joshua McFadden, uh, you know, about all the chef, these chefs who own trucks. I actually had the same conversation with Leather a while ago because Leather specifically was saying all these chefs own Toyota trucks, um, you know, which, which you know, is, is true. There's all these Toyota, uh, you know, truck, and they're not a sponsor, so I'm not plugging anyone here in Portland. But um, we're doing a tailgate on Sunday, and it's with, like, Mc- Melissa McMillan, Rick from Lardo, Adam Sappington, Joshua McFadden. Um, that, you know, it's a tailgate uh, without a, a sporting event, which is sort of how we roll. You can still go to that. Um, and where's that? And how That's going to be at the Stumptown parking lot. We, we work with Stumptown and we do our, quote, fun size events, a lot of them at their parking lot in the inner southeast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's happening um, on Sunday. It's our, and, and people just to, can still get tickets at yep. feastportland.com. Yeah. And there's other few uh, bits and bobs, as they say, you know, but all the events, like there's a lot of good stuff still available. Um, I think we still have event, uh, tickets to Big Feast Little China, you know, which is like Kai uh, from Danway Canteen and Jasper from XLB plus uh, Brandon Jew from um, from uh, Mr. Jews in San Francisco, which is like an impossible reservation to get. I actually can't believe we still have tickets left to that event. Um, and then we also have the Nouveau Bistro, which is this awesome event we're doing. A lot of wines from France, from the Beaujolais region, a lot of natural wines, and then great chefs like, you know, Greg and Gabby are at that event. Um, the folks from Lord Stanley in L.A., Larson in Seattle, which is a place we just absolutely love, um, our friends from Lamoule. So there's still a lot of really good stuff left. I think sometimes we are, um, I, I say, victims of our own success. You know, sometimes the narrative is, you know, it's it's, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, sometimes people, there's certain restaurants, I won't name any of them, but we all know who they are in town. People think that, oh, I can never, you know, go to that restaurant because the line is too long. And, and, and yet you show up because everyone thinks that and once in a while you show up on a Friday, you'll just walk right in. Right. And if you go early enough yeah. too, but I will say just to reiterate again, the nice thing is you can, you can mention chefs yeah. and, and food at the events, but I think the really fun part is, you know, you talk about Greg and Gabby. Yeah. When they're so busy at their restaurants, when do you really get a chance to chat with them at an event like this? Yep. They're they're handing you their, yep. their food, and so and you know, it's interesting too. There's certain chefs that just slay the big events. They're Greg and Gabby are two of, of them. Ox, by the way. I didn't yeah, mention. they they and, did. And Bistro Agnes. People still talk about the meat cereal they did the first year of Feast when yes. we had that event, High Comfort, which. 
you know, high comfort we killed. It just felt it felt more like a Mitt Romney rally than any other event at Well, so, for someone like me to have yeah. to decide how to get yeah. dressed for the night, yeah. that was, you know. And you're talking to a guy like me who when I turned 40, I threw away my ties. I'm like, you know what? I don't want, I don't, I just, I, I don't need these. Um, you're not going to get any argument in this room. Yeah, I think, no, I mean, I, I think... see everyone here is rocking the open collar. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, I, I, you know, f- f- we've changed high comfort. This is going on our fourth year of smoked and it just is such a better fit. You know, Feast is not, not a formal event. You know, um, it's, it's, we're just not a formal crew. I don't think Portland is a formal food city. You know, some people bemoan that. They want to see more high end and more. You know what? We got what we got. I love what we got. There's more incredible restaurants here, per, you know, in neighborhoods around the city, in any place I've ever been. Um, and, and, you know, I love what we have here. So, you know, we, we are a casual food festival because we reflect what Portland is. It's still cool that you tried that, and then you yeah. you know you try you experiment. That's true. That's really what Portland is what has been come to well, was known for is chefs yep. being able to experiment, sure. and not as much lately, but for years having the financial yep. leeway to experiment a little bit. And same thing with an event like that. You decide, okay, that's not the way to go, and it's fine. Well, do you remember year one? Like you know, we had that high comfort event. It was. I, I remember reaching out to you and, hey, Chris, can you help us try to sell these? You remember oh, yeah, that? I do remember that. You know, we were just sort of, well, we were, you know, it's it's interesting. Anyone who's ever done a first-year event of any type, it's hard. You know, you're just, it's really hard because, you know, you've you've rented all these tents and you have all these contractors and you just hope to God that the tickets sell. Yeah. You know, and. And, and, and the, the tough part is. In many cases, it's last week, yeah. last moment. Well, that's what happened. Know, you got to have faith. But then, then after an event, you know, gets a following and people know, hey, we have to get on it, otherwise we're not going to get tickets, then, then things can shift. But you also can't rest on your laurels. Like, you know, I think for us, every year, I think our attitude in the office kind of goes something like this. Like, I'm already working on next year's program um, and partners and all that. Um, I, I sort of have the luxury of doing that because, you know, my role, I'm not, you know, Emily leads up the production you know, Carrie and Janie lead up the marketing and the PR. So the things that they're doing now, I'm still, you know, I, I'm entertaining clients at this point. I'm I'm ta- I'm talking to people about next year. I'm trying to get some of the bigger, you know, bigger ass out. Um, but you know, we every year, I think our team, we do feast. We're very proud, and then two weeks after feast, we're just like, okay, we have to, you know, kind of push it because keeps us motivated. But also, I think you know, there's a a healthy fear of like, you know, not being relevant. You know, we have to. Oh, I th- it's going to be tough to make that happen in this no, city. No, I know, but I, I'm saying like, I think that everybody I know that, you know, restaurateurs are, you know, the same way. I just think there's this fear. You're like, you have to stay on it. You have to make sure you're reflecting, you know, we really try to start, you know, especially more now more than ever, we try to connect with the chefs as early as possible and, and ask them like, hey, what do you want to do? We, what are the chefs that you, who are the chefs that you guys want to see in town? What sort of, you know, that, that's sort of what I mean. And I think that that sort of, you know, it's interesting. I had this conversation recently with Matt Leitner and, you know, he was kind of saying the same thing. He's like, yeah, he's like, you know, that's how it is when you're crafting a menu. There's always this fear that people well, there'll be a day that comes where people aren't as excited anymore. So I think part of, you know, staying on the creative side is just staying ahead of that. And I think, you know, having a natural uh, amount of, you know, just help, you know, com- competition, not with anyone else, but with yourself is a really healthy way to go. Yeah. And you have to figure out how to 
how do I make this a little better? Yeah. And because, uh, yeah, I get it. I mean, I've been doing events too. Yep. And uh, at some point, there are some weeks leading up to it, I don't feel as excited. But then when yep. I get there, I remember, you know, so oh, I, yeah. So pe- patrons, same thing, you mm-hmm. know, you, you can't just automatically get them there and say, okay, now buy yep. a ticket. So, well, and you I mean, know, there, there's a thing too. It's like, um, I mean, you, you just, I think in any creative profession, whether it's a, a radio show, a podcast, a magazine, a restaurant, um, an advertising firm or a festival of any kind, you just can never rest on your laurels. Uh, you just can't, you know, and, and you also can't, the, the other side to that is it's sort of like when you go to a restaurant that changes the thing that you love, which used to be kind of a Portland thing that used to just, can I say, piss me off? Can we say that on the air? Oh, you, yeah, you didn't, <laughs> didn't read the email. You okay. can say anything you want. Great. So this is an issue. You don't see it as much, but, um, you know, it's like there is something when when you go to a restaurant, you know, there are certain things. Like if you go to Ox, for example, the clam chowder is always there because that is a best-in-class dish. Nobody in town does a better version right. of chowder. It's a, it's a, I don't know if there exists a better version of chowder anywhere. Right. You know, so never take that off the menu. Just experiment all you want other, other places. But, you know, I think when there's a burger you love and it's the defining burger of a restaurant, why the hell would you change it? Right. You know, like there well, are the case in point Coke classic years ago. Yeah, that, exactly. That whole thing. Yeah. So, but we, people, but you see that, you know, you don't see it as much, but for a long time in Portland, I think maybe because of low real estate, maybe because the stakes were lower, things didn't used to be as competitive as they are now. That used to happen a lot. Right. Now, you know, and, and I, <laughs> now it doesn't happen as much. Well, you got to be a little more sure you got investors. So yeah. we have, we have a couple of minutes sure. left. I hate, I'm sorry. We only have so many minutes to yeah. go, but that's the way it is. Um, is, uh, is there a, is there anything you can suggest to people right now on Wednesday on how to best enjoy if they have t- when they have tickets? Sure. Uh, well, there's still events uh, left over. I mean, I would I would you know j- definitely go to feastportland.com, check out the tickets. There are still tickets left for classes from you know the fun size events that we do. There's also cool things happening around town. You know, we partnered with New Seasons this year and we did a lot of uh, products that that are available. We want to make Feast accessible to a lot of folks. So we have a beer we did with Whitney Burnside at Ten Barrel called Feast Mode. We partnered with Maya Lovelace and Ruby Jewel to do uh, in Oregon fruit products and some other folks do these incredible ice cream sandwiches. Um, you know, so you can experience Feast yeah. at New Seasons. Uh, yeah, a place. Yeah, where... you know, and 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 just in general, you know, the the format of Feast. You know, we always you know there's a reason why you you know like unlike certain festivals around the country, where you have to buy this big package in order to go. We sell everything a la carte. You know, we just want people, um, you know, majority of our attendees are from Portland. You know, vast majority of our attendees are from Portland. You know, I um, we love it when people go to an event and then go check out a restaurant or go check out a wine shop. I mean, we really want people to just celebrate uh, and appreciate the community of, of everything that makes, you know, Portland and Oregon great that weekend in food and drink. And um, you should be doing that every weekend because, if you live here and you don't, you know, you should, you know, you could, you could move to Duluth, Minnesota. Right. It's one of but, the things that's special about here. And the other thing that's special is you're in your eighth year? Seventh. Right? Seventh. Yeah. Okay. Seventh year. But the food world is expanding every year. And changing. It gets bigger. Yeah. It changes. Yeah. We have new people coming in. You have a lot of people who were mentored by chefs mm-hmm. who are now becoming big things. Yep. And so that's why every year... Uh, it's not this. It can never be the same. No, thing. it can, and I think you know we just have to do our best to reflect all of those changes, both you know nationally, and and especially locally. You know, you just can't. Again, you just can't. 
you can't rest on on your laurels. I mean, you know, I, I you know, I just I just don't. I want to, you know, I want our our intention is that Portland and Oregon has an innovative. You know, we want the best. You know, larger scale food festival in the country. And, you know, I, there's certain things that being the size that we are, we're not, you know, we're not, you know, we're never going to do an event. Like I just saw what Gregory Gorday is doing with the James Beard dinner that he's doing in a couple of weeks. I mean, it's phenomenal. We could never do an event like that, you know, to focus, you know, like, or the events that Chef's Week that, you know, are incredible, like these like multi-chefs, super small, like, you know, but there's overall, like our large events, we're very, very proud of what we pull off. Oh, they're great. Our collaborations, you know, um, you know, the way it's like this year, the Franklin barbecue event is a celebration of local people making barbecue. We have Matt from Matt's barbecue there. We have, you know, Maya Lovelace doing the side. Of course we have Rodney, Rodney. there, you know, from, um, Podnes. from Podnes, you know, so we, we do our best to, to, you know, imbue our event throughout with as much creativity as possible and, you know, find that perfect balance between scale and intimacy. And, you know, I think they're all great. Thank and you, I Chris. can't, I can't, no, I'm, I'm a, a big fan of feast and of you and Carrie and Jenny and Emily and everybody. I can't name everybody. Well, there's but Elizabeth, the there's Hayley, Elizabeth. there's Heather. Yeah. You and can, there's, the, we have another Emily now. Okay, so, so two Emily's, yeah. but also all the pe- all the volunteers, right? <laughs> yep. A lot of people come out just yep. to volunteer, and uh, of course all the the people in the industry who make it what it is. So, yep. um, well, we it's, it's nice to be able to thank you in person. So, and you've uh, and I'm lucky to be able to go oh, and enjoy on. it. So, come on, we'll, we we'll just go. We'll hang out. We'll have a beer. Yeah, yeah. a couple, couple. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for coming in. We know you're busy, and you've hey, actually man. moved from a. Uh, a 1 to 11.30, so thanks for doing that. All right. Hey, man, whatever I can do. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Let's take a minute uh, right here, Chris, to talk about one of our favorite places to eat, Ringside Steakhouse. It's been a favorite for a lot of people. For uh, They're celebrating their 75th year next year. Which is awesome. Yeah. Who else? I guess what? Huber's maybe in Portland that has been around that long, but... Right. No one's been uh, carrying the torch for service as long as uh, Ringside Steakhouse, and... As of, uh, and very recently, also the Fish House, which unfortunately closed. Yeah. So they were, um, if, if you haven't heard the story yet, they, in that space over at Fox Tower, the, um, the building, the a tenant wanted more space. And the Petersons decided that uh, they didn't have a younger generation that was interested in operating the restaurant business, so they decided to... Just stick with what they know really well. Mm-hmm. Not that they didn't know the fish house well, but they got an offer they couldn't refuse, I guess, for the space. And uh, and now they're they're going to operate the steakhouse solely. The good news here is if you're a big fan of the onion rings, <laughs> it's all about those the onion have, rings. Those have always been in both places. And I, I had just this past weekend, I introduced a friend of mine to the onion rings. And if you've, if you've never had the ringside onion rings. You are missing out because they are perfection. I've I had friends, two sets of friends here last month who enjoyed that, but also the lobster mashed potatoes. Oh which yeah, you could you could still get at Ringside Steakhouse. We did that too. And they have the after nine o'clock happy hour mm-hmm. menu, which is just as good as the Fish House is better than the Fish House's uh, happy hour menu too. Yeah. So, and not only that, of course, classic states service and an atmosphere. Did you know? I don't know if you knew this, Court, because. You have to be paying a little bit of attention. Portland Business Journal, Ringside One Best Restaurant in Portland. Uh, and a few categories as well. Not only Best Restaurant, but I think Best Service, Best Decor, 
That might have been it. Oh, I, the, may, I may be wrong on that, but listeners are certainly welcome to, to call me out. If yes, certainly. Easily the best service in Portland that I've experienced myself. I think so. Is at the steakhouse. It's, so. old, it's old school service. Right. It's, you know, it's asking the right questions and knowing what you like when you come in, if mm-hmm. you've been there multiple times. So yeah, Ringside Steakhouse over on West Burnside. What's the the website is? Uh... RingsideSteakhouse.com. Yeah, there you go. That easy, and that's where you can also go and set up a reservation today. Yeah, and you can do that as individuals, or if you have a corporate outing, you're going to impress. Mm-hmm. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX, or on Facebook at Right at the Fork, or online at RightAtTheFork.com. 